It's springtime, friends. Are you at your happiest and healthiest? If you're not, and if you are, to maintain, you might want to check out our healthy seasonal cooking spring webinar that Chef Val and I are hosting with a guest speaker, Carrie Loeb, which many of you might already know of. He was a past guest on Macro Magic with Michelle, and he's going to talk about the energy of spring. And the webinar is going to be all about spring health. So the main organs we're going to be talking about are the liver, the gallbladder, and the nervous system, which many of you struggling with any type of mental illness might want to tune into because a lot of mental illness stems from imbalance in our body and the blockage of the liver creates a stagnation in our energy and it often affects our mental health and our nervous system as well. There's increasingly more evidence that an imbalanced nervous system affects our mental health more and more. So the vegetables we're going to be using as the stars of our recipe are green beans, asparagus, green peas, broccoli, parsley, and dandelion greens. You might already know from other content that I've shared that the signature flavor of spring is sour. So that all the recipes are gonna have that little sour taste in them. And the whole grains we're going to focus on are barley, oats, rye, and wheat. And some of the beans we're gonna focus on are green lentils, black-eyed peas, and split peas. And what you get in this webinar is going to be a live demo of original recipes that Chef Val and I have created, nutritional information about the food, real-time interaction, and an opportunity to ask questions. Lots of questions. We love questions, girl. You'll also get a copy of the recipes being presented. Um, they'll be emailed to you before the webinar. You'll also have access to the recording if you want to go back and rewatch what we demoed. Um, and like I said, Carrie Loeb will be teaching the ancient and powerful Eastern self-massage technique to support the spring organs. This is called Doween. It directly addresses chronic health conditions such as fatigue, digestive issues, diminishing lung capacity, and more. And, and this webinar will be presented April 23rd from 10 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And here are the recipes we're going to be presenting. So I will be presenting the first recipe. It's a zesty lemon blueberry pudding. Chef Val will then present an uplifting split pea soup with fennel. And I'll also be presenting a savory and sour whole oat porridge. 
Chef Val will then present a colorful barley asparagus greens medley with black garlic. I will be presenting spring blanched vegetables with tahini lime sauce. And finally, Chef Val will present a drink called Love Your Liver Sweet Dandelion Tea. So if you're struggling with any issues correlating with the liver, gallbladder, or nervous system, or if you're experiencing a lot of anger, all of these issues tend to come to the front during springtime, and you'll learn more about why. This is based off of the five transformations of energy. Once again, Chef Val, Carrie Loeb, and I will explain to you more what that means. But the main thing is, if you're struggling with these issues, there's help for you. And this is natural, holistic health that anybody could benefit from. And you can go to macroval.com and register now. We hope to see you there. Hello, Freedom Fairies of the Universe. Welcome back to another episode of Macro Magic with Michelle. I'm your host, Michelle Williams, also known as the Freedom Fairy on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, everywhere on the internet you can find me. I am so happy to share this second interview with you from Zara June, also known as the Macro Muse on TikTok, her website, themacromuse.com, and on Instagram, she's now known as muse.course. And you guys might have remembered Zara from previous interviews. We've done quite a bit of collaboration on over the years on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and I actually have a podcast episode which I'll link in the description. Actually, actually, I'll link a playlist because I have a couple of recorded lives that we've done throughout the years. So I'll leave a playlist in the description of this episode of different interviews I've done with Zara. And once again, she's been a macrobiotic teacher, chef, counselor for almost 20 years. She's definitely been studying 20 years or more. She went to the KI, the Kushi Institute, and she was actually the head chef there at one point. She's traveled all over the world and cooked for different people with different conditions. And I've worked with her personally. She also has a course going on right now. And it's a beginning course into the basics of macrobiotics. She's a fantastic chef and she's extremely knowledgeable. Today, we're going to focus on two topics that her and I have never discussed on a deeper level. And in part, that's because it took a while for her to open up about certain aspects of her journey. And it's so interesting how once she opened up about her autoimmune illness, her TikTok blew up and she she had a lot of viral videos, a lot of new people coming onto her page, a lot of new students. And I think Zara is leading 
a great community um, in helping people navigate their autoimmune illness through natural ways, specifically with food in the macrobiotic philosophy. And she's generating a lot of interest in macrobiotics. And that makes me super excited for the future of macrobiotics. And it's also really comforting to know that I'm not the only young person out here trying to educate people about this ancient philosophy that can reverse a lot of illness and help you to feel more happy and fulfilled in your life. So Zara and I were partners in crime <laughs> and I'm really excited for her to share more about her lupus journey and her experience with breast implants. So here we go. Welcome Zara June. Awesome. Here we are with Zara of the Macro Muse on TikTok or muse.course on Instagram. And my first question for you, Zara, how would you describe lupus? Well, lupus is an autoimmune disease, as most people know. Um, the way that, that I have interpreted it through my experience is your your body is in a state of inflammation and it's a state of being very weak so that means that your immune system is suppressed so the symptoms that i had where i was extremely fatigued um i would have joint pain i was more susceptible to getting sick so if i didn't sleep enough or if i ate something that didn't agree with me it would you know affect me like that it, it made me extremely sensitive but i think the most um the most like crucial thing about about having lupus was just my energy level i, I was just so tired all the time and that didn't feel normal to me so you know it, it also can affect your organs your kidneys and your skin and your tissues. And um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's like just your body is creating a response to external stimuli all the time. And it, it does force you to have to take care of yourself, but it, you're in a weakened state most of the time, more susceptible, I would say, to external factors. Wow. Yeah. Okay, cool. cool. That makes that makes it a lot more clear as someone who doesn't has never experienced lupus. That makes it a lot more clear about what it is exactly. Um, and when did you start to notice that things were off for your health? I know you just talked about a few symptoms, but um, were there any other symptoms that you noticed almost immediately? Um, I think like around the age of 29 was when I started to notice like things were a little bit off. Um, I, I didn't really notice too much before then. I, I was mostly okay. But around that time, I noticed that I started to get fatigued more easily. My, my hair started changing. It was like thinning. Um, my skin was changing a lot. Like I, I had clear skin and then I was starting to get like these cystic acne and like um, my, yeah, my skin was just very sensitive. So I would get like these, these breakouts or these rashes on my skin. And um, I noticed I was depressed a lot. I was having anxiety attacks quite frequently. And um, 
yeah, I was just getting sick a lot more. So I, I didn't really know what was going on. You know, I did see specialists and doctors and things to see what was going on. But I also think at that time, I, I was not taking very good care of myself. And I also didn't really want to address it too. So I knew that something was off, but it, it took a while. It was like some years of things creeping up, like around the age of 29 was when I got Bell's palsy. And that was like kind of the catalyst where like, oh, some, my body is really telling me something I have. It was like a wake up call. So that was, I would say the first sign of something, you know, like not being right, you know, and, and for further, it's like started this investigation of my health and wanting to know answers. So, so you're saying the Bell's palsy, you noticed that before it kind of grabbed your attention and then you started to think, okay, well, let me check out these other symptoms. Right. Right. Because it was such a, a big thing that happened, you know, it was a visible something, you know, mm -hmm. visibly changed like overnight where I woke up and half my face was paralyzed. And not only that, my body completely shut down. I had, I don't know if it was like mono or something like that. I couldn't get out of bed. It was, it was like a complete um, state of exhaustion. So when your body, you know, has a huge reaction like that, it is a huge wake up call. And it, it started, um, yeah, like me investigating and researching and trying to find answers for, for what was going on with my body and why Whoa. I was, you know, why I was shutting down in this way and having all of these bizarre symptoms seemingly out of nowhere. It felt like it was out of nowhere. Yes. And I, I totally forgot um, when I, when I was creating the questions for our podcast, I totally forgot to ask you about the Bell's palsy, but I know I've seen on your TikTok, you, you've made a few videos and from what it, what I got from your videos was that it seemed to be mostly triggered by stress. And um, it made me real, it made me realize um, that that's a physical, like you said, a physical indication of stress, which a lot of people, they think like stress, a lot of people are stressed today and they kind of don't think of it as such a big impact on their health because they can still like get up and go to work or get up and go to school or whatever. But um, like you said, that's a huge wake up call when you see a physical manifestation. Right. Right. I think, I think a lot of people, I mean, most people are stressed, they're under stress and stress yeah. is unavoidable. You know, we can't yeah. control what's going on in our environment all of the time. And I don't think it's about avoiding stress because we cannot avoid stress. What I learned is how to manage it. And you can do that yeah. with certain, you know, there are things that are under your control, like what you eat and, you know, certain practices in your life. Um, and that, that helps you be more resilient to the stress. Um, and when I got sick, I was not, I didn't have the tools that I have now. I just kind of went, I was like, the waves just kept crashing over me. You know, I just sort of was swept out to sea in a way. And I, I allowed the stress to happen and I was contributing to it in many ways, you know, but yeah, like things happened during that time. I, I was having a lot of big changes in my life and, you know, still trying to figure out who I was. And I, um, yeah, I, I just didn't know what I know now. And 
um, I think that was definitely a contributing factor to getting so sick, unfortunately. Yes, yes. Well, um, we'll t- we'll talk about a little bit more about that in a minute. But um, were you able to get diagnosed? I know you just said it kind of took a while for you to like do something about it. But um, were you able to get diagnosed right away? Well, it wasn't right away. It it took a while. Um, Mm -hmm. It was years, actually, many, many years. So, you know, I I went to doctors when I when I first got the Bell's palsy and trying to figure out what that was. And then I then got diagnosed with hypothyroidism. So I thought that was maybe the cause of a lot of these things. Mm -hmm. But I felt like it was something deeper. And I thought, um, you know, maybe I have Lyme disease. So it was like, I kept going back to my doctor and saying, what's going on? And she was like, you're fine. I I kept asking for tests. She tested me for Lyme. She said, you don't have that. And I kept pressing on about it for years. And I just didn't want to accept that I had to, um, you know, I didn't accept fully the hypothyroid diagnosis and just taking medication. I wanted to really see how I can heal myself on a deeper level and not just solely rely on medication because that's just not really the route that I wanted to go personally. And, um, so she finally sent me to a rheumatologist who was understanding enough to know that it could possibly be an autoimmune. Mm -hmm. So he said, you know what, it's, it does kind of sound like you have some of the symptoms of what an autoimmune illness could be. Let me test you for them all. Your insurance covers it. I'll test you because you Mm -hmm. have to go to a rheumatologist. I think that they might be the only ones that test. And then you have to specifically Uh ask for these series of tests. So I got tested and it came back that I had all of the, the positive markers for uh, lupus. It's like, you have to have a certain amount of like ANA markers. I don't know how that works. I'm not a doctor, so I, can't, I, mm-hmm. I don't know how, how that is, but he just said, yes, it, you have lupus from this blood work. So it was probably, probably like five years of trying to figure out what it, before I got diagnosed. So it really wasn't instant, but when I did get diagnosed, I, I mean, I was shocked and very scared because I didn't know what that was. And, um, yeah, it was more just like, I would, I just didn't know what that was and I didn't know what it meant for me and my health. So it was scary, but also it was a bit of a relief to know Mm -hmm. that, oh, this really is something. It's not just in my head. I didn't, I didn't just make it up. (laughs) So I knew that something was off and the test, you know, the tests show that, but you can tell in your body when something is, is off. Definitely. But, but, but I definitely can see how you're saying, like, you just want, you wanted more, I guess, clarity about what was happening to you. Cause you knew for sure that something was off, but it's like for you to navigate even how, how to approach like you getting better I think it's definitely um anybody out there would want to at least know like what do I have you know yeah yeah I mean I think for me like I didn't really need the diagnosis so much Mm -hmm. because I knew that something was off but I did in a way need the diagnosis because it really was like oh you now actually have something diagnosed by the medical you know field it's categorized as something And now you can do something about it. So the diagnosis really kind of like put the fire under my, under my booty, so to speak. Yeah. 
um, to, to really like crack down because there, you know, I was kind of like sabotaging myself. Like I knew I didn't feel good, but I was like, just kind of going about my life in a way that, that wasn't, you know, in the direction of healing because I, I, I didn't think it was that serious, but then, you know, the diagnosis really told me, okay, you got to take this seriously now, get it together. So yeah. That's what that's what the diagnosis did for me anyway. That's I think that's awesome. Sorry, I'm glad you were able to get that diagnosis even though it took a long time. I'm glad you didn't give up. Yeah. And um so so I guess kind of going along with that at that point um did that make it clear that you had lupus or what did make it clear that you had lupus? Yeah, it was that diagnosis going to the rheumatologist, but he wasn't very, um, it it wasn't very helpful for me because I said, well, what's the treatment? What's the diagnosis? And he said, Mm -hmm. well, nothing. Yeah. (laughs) He said, you know, if, if there are symptoms, I give you medication to treat those symptoms. You know, if you're having kidney problems or you're having rashes, you know, it's just giving the pill to treat whatever the symptom is. So he, he gave me a, you know, a few guidelines. He just said, you know, try to try not to get stressed out, you know, all the things that, that cause a flare up. He, he said to avoid, don't get stressed out. Don't sit out in the sun. Don't eat sprouts. I don't know. I don't know. Don't eat sprouts. Um, and, uh, take a baby aspirin a day because I was like at a high risk for getting blood clots. And he just said, don't, don't get pregnant don't take any birth control. Like there were some things that he was saying, don't, don't do these things, but there was no, there was no hope for like, you can heal this. He said, you know, you have this for life. You just kind of have to deal with it and try to avoid the flares. Mm-hmm. So it, it was like, I, I knew then that, that if he couldn't help me, I knew that I had to help myself as much mm-hmm. as I could, you know, I could use the medication and the treatments as a backup if something severe happened. And I was hoping that that never happened. You know, I was trying to avoid ending up in a hospital or ending up on medication. So, um, that's, that's really when I put the power into my own hands because I I already have all the tools. I know what to do. I just have to do it, which is much harder. You know, having the knowledge is one thing and then actually doing it is another thing. So, um, I, I, yeah, that, that diagnosis and, and speaking with him really, started the the healing journey at that point like a serious serious healing journey yeah awesome yeah because um my next question was was going to be what did you try and what worked for you in managing your lupus oh I tried a lot of things (laughs) um (laughs) you know at first before actually before I got diagnosed with lupus I was I was kind of toying around with this medical medium diet protocol thing because it was like the new thing. Then as soon as it came out was when I was really not feeling good. Mm -hmm. And you know what, like I'm kind of a little bit, a sucker to trends and I think some of us are, you know, and it was like a big thing. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe this is what I need to do. I mean, I've already, you know, I, I know about macrobiotics, but we'll get into that, but I thought, well, maybe this is, is, is like the cure. I, maybe I've been doing everything wrong and I, I got to try this, but that actually made my, my flares even worse. I was having digestive issues. I was so fatigued. I was cold all the time. I was, um, I was having my, my 
like the acne on my face and the rashes were like flaring up. So that, okay. So that didn't work for me. (laughs) And, um, but what did work? I mean, what did work really was, you know, also I worked a lot on myself. The first thing that I, that I had to focus on was my mental health. That was number one. And, you know, I did this actually before I started, before I got diagnosed with lupus, I started going to therapy and I started doing some inner work on myself and looking at my past and traumas. And I was meditating. I began, I worked with a meditation coach for a little bit and that really, um, helped and, um, looking at the ways to manage stress and coping in a more healthy way. So, you know, that, that was, that was the one big aspect, because I do think that autoimmune is, is tied to your mental health mm-hmm. in a big way, obviously yeah. how you manage stress. So that was number one. And then the second thing was just macrobiotics. Like, it's just as simple as that, you know, so the mental health and the macrobiotics, those two things. I don't know, like if I really tried too many other things, I mean, in the past I've tried acupuncture and I've tried, you know, massage and, um, I don't know, like, I can't like off the top of my head, I can't really think because all I can really think about what really worked was implementing the practices of macrobiotics, the lifestyle guidelines and the food guidelines. And I tailor that to my own individual needs, knowing everything that I know about macrobiotics and knowing how my body responds. I, I just developed my own kind of protocol that I knew that worked for me. Um, sleeping was a huge thing, like making sure that I went to bed early, got enough sleep. It was more just like life, a lot of lifestyle practices too. Like, so I stopped over exercising because I used to be an athlete. And so in my head, I'm like, oh, I got to be exercising all the time, all the time. And that was weakening my body. So I was doing things more to build and nourish my body and avoiding the things that depleted my body. So I, yeah, the sleep and gentle exercise and meditating and, um, and then cooking my food, mostly cooking my food really was a huge, a huge, uh, made a huge change by far. And then the biggest thing was avoiding sweets and even like fruit. I was trying to avoid anything that, again, that was depleting and sugar, as you know, is very depleting, especially for your immune system. So I was trying to build up my immune system and avoid those things that were going to cause me to feel weak. So I can't think off the top of my head, like if I tried anything else, I mean, I'm sure I've tried lots of things, but those are the the main things that really stick out during that time. And this was years, by the way, like I spent probably like a year or two of just focusing on like my, my mental health and then the stuff with the food, you know, fall, because it, it was hard to change my lifestyle because I was traveling a lot. I was working a lot. Um, and I didn't want to give that up. I didn't want to give up my exercising, my high intensity exercise. I I didn't want to give up the traveling. And there were just some things of my lifestyle that I was like sabotaging myself. And then, you know, I would like have caffeine and chocolate and stimulants. And I always could justify it, you know, like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's fine. It's not that much in moderation, you know, but even in the moderation, I was so sensitive to even a little bit. And I, um, yeah, like I finally got to a place where I woke up and I said, okay, I'm done. I'm done sabotaging myself. I'm just going to do it right now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really amazing. Um, yeah, 
I, I've, I've heard you talk about different aspects of, of your lupus healing journey. And, um, just when I worked with you, um, you know, a while ago for my, for my issues that I was having, I learned a lot from you, especially about, um, the lifestyle, you know, factors. And I think that is something that people don't talk about as much. People don't think is as important or they just have a lot of, um, you know, it's almost like one size fits all mentality, like exercise is good. So exercise a lot, (laughs) you know, like, you know, you rarely hear people talk about how too much exercise can not, can be the opposite of healthy, you know? And, um, and, um, and the traveling thing, a lot of people don't realize, you know, people don't think it has any connection with health, you know, traveling all the time, um, different time zones. Um, this is why Immacrobotics is very cool because, you know, everything is energy, you know, even the directions have an energy and, um, going there too quickly. If you study the nine star key, people listening can go back. I have a episode about directionology and, um, it's, it's a lot more to it than just jet lag. (laughs) Like, you know, it's a lot more to it. Um, and yeah, and that's, I'm glad it, yeah, I'm glad you, um, you talked about how a little bit about how you already knew about macrobiotics at that point. That is what I think is kind of also great about your story is that um, just speaking to the people who are macrobiotic or who think they're living a healthy lifestyle and then years down the line, then some kind of health issue comes up. Um, it's like you always have to reevaluate and adjust. Like you said, you have to customize a plan for yourself. It's not one size fits all. And so um, can you talk maybe a little bit more about that, about how you had already been studying macrobiotics and how you had to shift it a little bit? Yeah, I mean, that's great what you bring up because um, how you're eating as an individual, even as an individual, it's it's always gonna change because we are always changing and we have to be very flexible and constantly make adjustments with our life. So that's, you know, that's a very kind of tricky part of macrobiotics, but it's great because it keeps you very conscious and aware of what's going on in your life and how you have to eat and live to, um, to like adjust to what's going on. So, yeah, I, you know, I came to macrobiotics a while ago and the thing about macrobiotics is, you know, it's a practice and sometimes you fall off that practice. And there were times that I was very strong with macrobiotics and then I would kind of like fall away sometimes, you know, because it's challenging, you know, it wasn't like I, I completely abandoned it, but sometimes I would go travel and eat other things. And then, um, but I, it was always calling me like macrobiotics always called me. And I kind of think about macrobiotics in a way as like, it's your home, you know, like your home base, almost like your Mm -hmm. family. Like you might, you might go away from your family for a time, but you're always, you know, drawn back to your home. There's something about home that is like very comforting and it it just feels really good and safe for some people. Right. But whatever your home is, like whatever you think of as home, that's how I think of macrobiotics. So I would kind of veer away and then I would be like, oh, I crave my miso soup and my brown rice. And I I just got to get back to that. I feel really good. So 
you know, my practice would kind of like waver here and there, or I wouldn't be as, I would say like, I wouldn't be as strong because sometimes it just, I wasn't as strongly aligned with, with my practice of it, um, for, for whatever reason, you know, and, and I think of it as a lifelong journey, you know, macrobiotics, you don't just like start one day and then you're doing that for the rest of your life. A lot of it is you're trying to like figure it out for a while. And for me, I was trying to figure out for a while what worked with my body. So, and I'm still, you know what, I'm still trying to figure it out. Like, I'm just saying it, it's a lifelong, you know, I know people that are macrobiotic in their seventies and they're like, they're always, they're changing things all the time. That's just how mm-hmm. it is. So I, I've learned everything that, that I think is necessary, but I'm still learning things like little things as I go, the, the bulk of it, I've already learned because I read all the books and I studied and, um, and, uh, I, you know, I put a lot of it into practice, but yeah, the, the learning never ends and I have a pretty good understanding, I think of what works for me and, sometimes it's hard because there's a lot of influence from like the media, like, Oh, don't eat this. And then eat this. And it can get a little bit confusing, but I, I sort of have to, um, as you say, like drown it out mm-hmm. and just focus on what I know intuitively works for me because a lot of it is using your intuition, but you don't just like snap your fingers and the intuition happens. You have to learn how to use your intuition as well, Mm -hmm. because sometimes you might think that it's your intuition, but it's actually just a craving or it's a result of something else that you're doing, you know, that that's causing it, causing that, that like craving for something. So I hope that answers your question. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And it sounds like just for the friends that, um, already understand macrobiotics, it sounds like what you were saying, and I know you've talked about it on your TikTok as well, um, that in general, like you were saying, the medical medium's kind of advice is more on the yin side. So just speaking how you were in an already inflamed condition, mm-hmm. consuming a ma- majority more yin foods, um, that doesn't help with the inflammation, which maybe explains why it didn't work for you. Right. I mean, I think that that way of eating can work for some people. Yeah. But it it's very, you know, one size fits all does not work because mm-hmm. of course, you know, you have to take account your, your individual health condition and the climate that you're in and your activity level. So there's so many factors and I can see that way of eating working for some people who live in certain climates or have certain health conditions. But um, it, it just doesn't make as much sense as, as macrobiotics because there is no set diet for macrobiotics mm-hmm. and everyone has to eat very differently. So I think that's, I think that's why I, I love it so much. And you can change the way that you eat all of the time. And, you know, when I first came to macrobiotics, I was young, I was 18 years old. I didn't have any health issues, you know? So my reason for macrobiotics was more, I was interested in the philosophy. I was really interested in the way of eating and more like prevention and yeah, learning to, learning to use food in a way that, that you can transform your health condition really interests me because I had a lot of health issues and my, my family has a lot of health issues. And I wanted to try to prevent that as much as possible and see, you know, I kind of also think life is an experiment and I kind of have used my body as an experiment with food. And I've, I've tried 
every single diet that there that's out there. I, yeah. I've always been intrigued in, in, in diets, not for even like health reasons or for changing the way that my body looks. It was more like, I want to see the effects yeah. of this way of eating. So, and that's interesting because I think that's actually what George Asawa would do. He would, yep. he would actually like get himself sick and then try and then use macrobiotics and to heal himself, you know, because mm-hmm. he really believed in it and he wanted to experience it. And that's kind of how I've used macrobiotics where, you know, something's going on. If I don't feel good, I, I use food and I want to see what is the outcome. So I never really had like the, the push as, as I did when I got sick, you know, when you're sick, that's a different thing. You, you kind of have to be on like a healing diet, but macrobiotics is, is not necessarily for healing. You know, a lot of it's just to have your vitality. Yeah. So when I, when I was much younger, I would use it for more of like spiritual, mental, you know, uh, purposes and mm-hmm. to try to prevent a lot of ailments in a way, because I was always pretty sensitive to food. So, you know, when you get sick, it's a different thing. It, it's kind of scary. You have to be a little bit more strict with what you're eating and avoid yeah. different things for a time, you know, until your body is, is strong again, but you're not really supposed to live on a healing diet. That's not, right. that's not the goal. The goal is to be able to eat everything in moderation, but what happens is because we are, you know, very accustomed to eating things very extreme and we don't know moderation, these imbalances happen so easily. And then it, you have to take a year or two to strengthen your body again till you're, till you feel, you know, normal again in a way. Hopefully it's the goal. Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I can, I can speak to that myself, my own experience and also, you know, my boyfriend, Tom you can't, yeah, healing diet is for a short time, you know, Um, like the older macrobiotic people are familiar with 10 days of brown rice, but you can't, you can't, even, even um, now, I think a lot of people would say that's even too extreme, Mm -hmm. you know, so, Mm -hmm. so, but you can't, I mean, you could survive, but I mean, what kind of life are you living when you just live off of brown rice? Yeah, we don't want to do that. (laughs) No, 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 no. Um, And my next question. um, So what do you prioritize now that you didn't before getting this? Sleep. Sleep is like number one. And the other thing is... uh, having, having a, having like a consistent routine, I would say with my food, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm like as disciplined as I was when I was in the healing phase, but it's more about, yeah, consistency and making sure that I don't skip meals, you know, making sure that I, that I'm eating nourishing meals so that I don't, crave sugar and other things because I, you know, I was a sugar fiend as a kid and I could still be a sugar fiend if I wanted to, because if I'm not eating properly, then my body will go to a concentrated source of energy, which, you know, everyone goes to sugar stimulants. So those are probably the two main things. I I make sure that I go to bed at a reasonable hour. I, I don't compromise my sleep as much as possible. Sleep is so crucial and, um, getting outside every day, 
trying to be in nature, breathe some fresh air as, as much as possible. And yeah, the food, trying to cook at least once a day is the priority. Yes, and um, something something that um, I meant to ask you earlier, um, it, it just came to me as you were talking. Um, like, it's so interesting. I know you said that when you were first attracted to macrobiotics, you were more interested in the philosophy and maybe a way of prevention. But did you ever hear, you know, in the macrobiotic community that you were in, did you ever hear of anyone with lupus? I, I didn't even know what lupus was. And wow. the thing, there's not a lot of talk about autoimmune illnesses in macrobiotics. Yeah. There's a lot of talk of cancer and diabetes and, I, and arthritis. Um, those were like the main issues because they were like big, you know, like you, you could die from those things. And that was the most, like, I don't even know what you, what you, what you would call it, but the most life altering diseases and like heart disease is one of them too. But I, I didn't really hear much about autoimmune. Maybe it wasn't something that was very well known at the time either. So I don't see a lot of talk about autoimmune illnesses, even in some of the books I've, I've searched them. I don't see anything about lupus. I've seen Lyme disease. I've seen rheumatoid arthritis, but, um, yeah, not, not anything about lupus. So, but I still think there's, there's still an understanding of what that, that illness entails and how to heal it. And, uh, I, I think even like, I think Crohn's disease is considered an autoimmune illness, I believe. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I know someone personally that healed herself of Crohn's. So yeah. I've, I've heard of that. So mm-hmm. I know that's rare. I think for people to heal, heal autoimmune illnesses, it's rare. And I think macrobiotics doesn't really talk about it because it's, yeah, it's one of those things that's very hard to heal because it mostly it's genetic. They say it's genetic, you know, but who knows? Who knows? There's still a lot of unknowns about it. Doctors don't really know everything about autoimmune illnesses and there's still so much more to discover because the thing is it's 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 difficult to to heal your immune system in a way you know it's interesting how cancer and diabetes like that those illnesses seem more plausible to heal than than your your immune system because that is such a vast you know network of of like Mm. functions going on so I, I would love for there to be more about it, but I just haven't seen anything about it. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I would, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking maybe one of, like you said, maybe one of the answers to that question is maybe um, it just wasn't as maybe as many cases so that maybe it wasn't as popular as well known. Mm-hmm. And just just by the answers that your doctor gave you when you were trying to understand what you were going through, he didn't really have a lot for you to even use to help yourself. So yeah, maybe that, and I think in a lot of macrobiotic books, there is a lot of um, discussion about how um, just our, our human race is degenerating, you know? So it's like maybe autoimmune illness is part, is a more, advanced state of of our human race you know becoming weaker and weaker and it's a more 
it, it's more modern than maybe when those books were written. Mm -hmm. So maybe they didn't even think it was even part of worth talking about maybe. <laughs> I think it was just much more rare. I mean, I know, I know yeah, that yeah. lupus has been around for a long time. People, you know, there are cases of people having lupus, you know, like hundred years ago, but it's, it's definitely becoming more popular. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I don't know, the word popular is kind of strange, but more common. Yeah. Commonplace to have an autoimmune illness. I, I now yeah. like everyone, a lot of people will say, Oh yeah, I have this, you know, and I never, I never heard about that before, not even like five years ago. So it's still kind of relatively, it still feels relatively new. There's, there's going to be lots coming out that's to discover about these autoimmune illnesses. Yeah. And I think it's kind of interesting how you said, um, like in like autoimmune illness versus like cancer, diabetes, heart disease, how even though those illnesses are scarier in a way because they can kill you, but but yet but yet there's um a lot of help for healing with those specific issues, but then autoimmune, even though it maybe can't kill you as quick or I don't even know if it it's more of a lifelong disability maybe but it's but there's not as much um talked about for that issue it seems kind of kind of interesting mm -hmm. and I feel like um the way that you were talking about it too I I could relate to in my mental health journey as well like my doctors basically were like well, you're just going to have this forever. And it's like, cool, I have to be miserable forever. <laughs> you know, like, it doesn't really give you a hope for things getting better when your doctor is just like, well, you just have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of discouraging. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not of the is discouraging for me because I've been so involved in macrobiotics and I've been around people that have healed themselves. So for me, I, I, I have the hope within me that I know that healing is possible. Of course, yeah. like it's guaranteed, but I still, there's still that glimmer of like, well, that's what they say, but I, I don't fully believe it. I don't, I don't yeah. accept it. I won't accept it Yeah, because I know people that have been told that they have three months to live and they heal themselves and now they're, you know, living 20, 30 years later, healthy lives. So, yeah. but for someone that doesn't know that, it yeah. would be extremely discouraging if I didn't know what I know. And I went to that doctor and he said, oh, this is your lifelong condition. I might, I might have just accepted it. You know, oh, yeah. this is how, this is how I'm going to live. And no matter what I do, I'll always have to always be sick. Mm -hmm. So I can see, I, I know people that, that have that mindset. Yeah. Believing that they will never heal. They will never get better. Yeah. It's impossible. Well, that's why I'm so happy you're on here sharing your story because it's such a, I think it's such an inspiration for so many people who have, you know, whatever kind of illness they're dealing with, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and um, I also wanted to ask you because you, I'm, I saw that you mentioned on, on your TikTok or maybe Instagram um, that you used to have breast implants and I, and um. I've seen other women talk about how um, they've had a lot of health issues that were, they feel triggered by getting their, their breasts 
done. And so I wanted to ask you, did you, did you um, think that having breast implants contributed to your autoimmune illness? In my, in my opinion, I feel, yes, it did. There is no reason, you know, there's no way to actually make the correlation, but I, I, I don't know. I, I know that a lot of women have come forward and said that they have either breast implant illness or they have an autoimmune illness and th there could be a connection there. The interesting thing is when I went to my doctor, cause I ended up going back to my doctor 10 years later after I got them and I was telling him like, you know what? I'm not feeling good. I, I feel sick. And I, I was telling him all the symptoms, right? Like I, I'm not feeling right. And he said, you know what? I have been having a lot of women coming in here with lupus and autoimmune illnesses wanting to get them removed because they're complaining wow. of the same thing you're talking about. He's like, I've actually <sighs> done more explants now than, than I ever have. And he, you know, he's been a surgeon for, I don't know, like 40 years or something like that. So he's seen it all, you know, there was like a boom in the nineties for, for getting them. And then everyone got them out. Yeah. So he didn't actually tell me that that it's, you know, it causes it, but he said, you know, a lot of women do think that it's caused them to become ill. Mm -hmm. So for hearing him say that I was like, Ooh, yeah. And I, and I was doing a lot of research about it. So I don't know um, what the correlation is. And I think maybe everyone responds to it differently. I also think if you have them in a little too long, it starts to affect your body because I didn't start to feel sick right away. It probably took a while. Um, and I wish I got them out as soon as I started feeling sick, but I was very scared to change, to alter my body. Also, I didn't have the money for the surgery. So I kept putting it, I put it off for too many years, like a few years, too many. So I know that if you get them replaced, that's a better option, but you know, there's something in, in the implant itself that, that goes into your body. You know, there's heavy metals and, you know, I did, I did all the research, the research is out there, you know, you can look all that yeah. up if, if you're, you know, if anyone out there is interested and, um, people have many stories about that, but yeah, it's, it's a kind of a case by case study. Not everyone gets sick, obviously from it, but I can see there definitely being a link. Yeah. Because your body is, is reacting to a foreign object and then it's yep. creating inflammation. And I did, exactly. when I did remove them, I did feel, I was starting to feel a lot better when yeah. I did remove them. Yeah. But I've met women that have autoimmune illnesses and they're sick and way worse than I ever was, you know, mm -hmm. from, from them and they did remove them and they felt better. So, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Yes. I mean, I, I totally think just based off of, you know, what I understand about health, you know, of course, like you said, a foreign object, especially made out of plastic or whatever, ever, whatever other chemicals, you know, it's not necessary and it's not natural. So <laughs> why wouldn't it contribute to any kind of disease disease within your body. Mm -hmm. So, um, but what would you say to women considering getting a breast implants 
or any other cosmetic surgery? I would say to do your research as much as you can talk to women, many women that have had it. There is a wonderful resource online. I think it's called a uh, realself.com or realself.org. I don't know the exact website. There are women that talk about their stories. Some people have great experiences. Some people don't. And then you can pick your surgeon, you know, make sure that you have a reputable surgeon because this is, you know, you're changing your body, but you know, there's only so much research that you can do because you know, you are you are altering your body. And if you're putting something in there, there is, there is a chance, just know that there is a chance that you might get sick. So it doesn't happen to everyone, but if you start to feel sick, I would say remove those things, you know, just get on that right away because it's just going to get worse and worse. And when you remove them, you will most likely feel better. Your body can start to heal faster. Um, the other thing is just know what the, what, what is the intention? You know, are you doing that for yourself? Are you doing that for someone else? Are you doing that for, because of society's, you know, standard, there's so much pressure for women, you know, to, to be young and to look beautiful and to appear sexy and, and all the things. Right. And it's really difficult, you know, it's, it's really hard to be a woman in society and you feel the pressure, you know? Yeah. So but you know what, like all that being said, even if I could talk to my younger self, I don't think that she would have listened. She yeah. would have said, I don't care. I don't care if I get sick. I don't care anything about that. I just want, I want them. You know, I was yeah. so, you know, I was so bent on getting them because I was so insecure with my body that no one could have told me otherwise. So, you know, if you're going to do it, do it. it it's ever, it's just, it's your choice. Just be prepared for war. what could happen you know anything yeah. can happen when you are you know changing your body even if it's a small thing you know yeah um I'm glad I'm I'm really glad that you've had this experience and you can talk speak on it because um a lot of women you know there's a lot of controversy when it comes to cosmetic surgery and a lot of women are either like yeah I'm doing it because you know the common thing is I want to look better for myself but honestly it's not really for themselves they're just saying that because they feel very insecure just like you said so much pressure from society and then there's the other side that shames women for wanting to do that and there's I mean, there's, there's more to it than that. It's more to it than, oh yeah, I want to look good for myself. And it's more to it than, um, you know, the other side that's like, well, you shouldn't, um, you know, give in to the pressures. The, the most important thing for me, you know, when I, as a healer myself, as a macrobiotic teacher myself, energy healer, as someone who's been through a lot with body image and hurting myself because of the, these pressures. It's like your health should be the number one priority, you know? And so I, I really appreciate that um, you've had this experience and you can speak more on the health aspect and um, it's your health should take precedence over, oh, I'm, I want to look better for myself or for society and, and the other women out there that shame 
um, women who want to get these procedures done don't, it's not helpful to shame, you know? And um, you, if you really care about, if you really care about another woman feeling secure in herself, you know, connect with, with those women in, in, from a place of love and help her to see, you know, that she needs to, you know, help her to love herself more than, well, you should just not do that because, you know, like there needs to be more love and more emphasis on prioritizing your health of, you know, and more community between women on both sides, I think, you know, because it's really not helpful. And that's exactly, I think, women who want to get plastic surgery, why they feel they can't hear anybody, kind of like what you said, they can't hear anybody that tells them anything opposite because it usually comes from a place of wanting to shame and not from a place of love. So of course they're not going to hear that. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, just to piggyback off of what you just said, it's interesting because, you know, I was so insecure, not having, you know, a chest and growing up, I was made fun of a lot for, I was very insecure, you know, on top of being insecure, then I had, I was, you know, being criticized by my peers and even like my family, some of my family members, which is so wrong. But, you know, I, I went from being insecure about that to then being insecure about having plastic surgery. I mean, no one ever shamed me that, I, uh, I mean, I don't know, like it was minimal compared to the the criticism that I got for not having breasts. But then when I had them, I, I traded one insecurity for another, basically. Mm. So I, I didn't feel right either way yeah so it's interesting like getting them I thought oh I'm going to be feel so confident and wonderful and you know I did kind of feel like that for a little bit and then it kind of set in where oh I I'm I have like the secret now you know I've I've altered my body and that's ooh, like that's bad you know um I'm I'm a fake person or something so and and that that stayed with me for a while and it felt weird because then I started getting into health more and I thought, well, this isn't right. I'm, I'm like really into my health and what I'm eating. And yet I'm, I, I have implants, you know, like it didn't, it didn't match up. So the insecurity didn't never really left even after changing my body. So yeah, still there. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's my experience um, with, you know, with women that have gone through, through plastic surgery, you know, I mean, I've, I feel really honored that I've got to meet a lot of women that have been through that and that they've shared their stories with me, but I've not, I haven't met one woman that's had plastic surgery and has told me, yes, I feel confident. I feel better. Every, every woman I know that's had plastic surgery, they still struggle with body image. They still feel insecure. They still feel like they're not beautiful, even after. And I know women who've had many, many procedures. It doesn't matter. And, um, you know, I, I think it's very important. That's the number one thing. And I think kind of going along, um, the next thing I wanted to, um, a little bit later, we can, I can ask you now, but um, what has been the most helpful in accepting your body and recognizing your own natural beauty? What has been the most helpful? 
gosh, I don't know that it's like, it's, it's kind of a lifelong journey. That's the thing. It's, I'm still, I'm still figuring it out. And I think I will be for my whole life because I have been indoctrinated with, you know, society's views of what a woman, woman should be and look like and act. And I, I think we're just going to have to keep fighting it. And a lot of it is just constant, constantly trying to tell yourself that you are enough. And it, that's really hard. You know, acceptance yeah. is really hard. And I, I wouldn't even say that it's like one thing that you can do. I think it's just over time. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm going to be 40 next year. And I, I, a lot of it's just time, you know, as time goes on, you, you care less about society and what people think and what your body looks like. That just sort of happens because your body is changing. Like, I think what, what really helps is just knowing that my body is going to change. You know, I'm going to age. That is inevitable. We are all going to age and we are all going to die. And there is only so much that, that I can do to prevent that. And there are, there are natural ways, you know, taking care of yourself and getting sleep and having, you know, changing your mindset is, is huge. Um, those things keep you young and beautiful. It's, it's not so much the outside. It's also like who you are, you know, what are you, what, what's, um, what, uh, how, how can you be of service to the world, you know, trying to find what your purpose is and being a good person and living with, you know, intention and ethics and, is more important, you know, people are going to remember that about you and not about what your, what your breasts look like, you know? So that's kind of the thing is like the beauty is going to fade. So what is left? So that's, I think that's like kind of what has helped me. And also like, I'm, I'm in a place of privilege. Like I am a, you know, um, by society standards, I am an attractive person. You know what I mean? So I, I don't want to say like, oh, it's so hard, you know, but I think no matter who you are, even if you're a supermodel, you still have, you know, they still have insecurities. It doesn't yeah. matter what you look like. Everyone has insecurities. Mm -hmm. And I'm just trying to look at how can I use my gifts? How can I, how can I help other people? Because that is the impression that I want to leave on the world. Not, you know, there's only so much that you can lead with the way that you look. I suppose it helps, you know, obviously it helps in society, but I'm just saying it's not enough. You know, it's, it's only going to get you so far. So a lot of it, yeah, the, the acceptance is, is a challenge and it's ongoing. It's like, it's like a daily practice, you know, it's like meditating, you don't just meditate once. And then you're like this Zen person, you have to do it every day. And so every day I'm kind of like fighting, um, these, these negative thoughts, you know, that, that creep in, it's just, it happens, you know? Yes. Yes. I, I love so much of what you said there. Um, yeah, definitely. I think, I think for me too, um, learning more about health and, and energy and, and our, how our body works you know energy within our body health within our body um i think to me and realizing how each person is unique and individual um you know before before i was 
you know, struggling with, with my body image and my eating disorder, it was really hard for me to, you know, I've heard other people say, everyone's beautiful in their own way. And to me, in that time, when I was sick in that way, I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I'm like, no, you have to look like exactly like this. And that's the only way you're beautiful. And um, just like learning more, I think macrobiotics really helped me um, to see the unique energy within all of us and um, to see all of our different kinds of beauty. And like you said, it's not, yeah, of course, physical, of course, there's physical beauty. And I think now I can recognize even physical beauty with, within everyone, but more importantly, the energetic, spiritual, you know, unseen, maybe intangible beauty that we all have. And, and um, that's actually more important, you know, and, and we can create beauty, even, you know, some of us are great artists, you know, and that's a, that's a beautiful thing, you can create beauty in that way, or, you know, you make amazing food, delicious, healing food, you know, so many ways we can create beauty. So it doesn't have to be the society's image of beauty. And also, friends, look at the beauty trends throughout the years, always changing. You know, when I was 10 years old, the standard of beauty was different than it is now. And it's like, how can you, um, you can't really keep up with it. All you can do, I think, is recognize your own beauty and nourish it, you know, by taking care of yourself and loving yourself and you, you enhance your own special beauty that you have. Um, oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. You know, beauty is so subjective and what one person finds beautiful, another person is not. So there really is no one standard and it doesn't make sense to follow the trends because they change all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, I, I was going to ask you another question kind of going in line with that. Um, but I know a lot of people, a lot of women, especially, they think there is a difference between, you know, cosmetic surgery and different kinds of procedures like injections and things like that. To me, I think there's no difference, honestly. But what, what are your thoughts on injections like Botox or Juvederm or other cosmetic treatments like laser hair removal or cool sculpting? Um, a little like adamant about those things, um, because there's not a lot of research on it. We don't know the long-term effects. So we won't know, you know, until like 50 years or, you know, until people are older, like, well, what is the effect that that injection has had? I mean, I don't, I'm not shaming anyone who wants that. Like, I right. think if you really want to do that, I think it's fine. Again, just know know what the consequences are of some of these things and it might not affect anyone but i mean it's probably you know if you're being the most natural person ever those things are probably not the best you know i don't think it's going to it might not kill you but we yeah we don't know what what effect it has on our health so i'm a little bit cautious with stuff like that but i understand the need to do little tweaks here and there i don't know about like I don't know about laser hair removal. I haven't really heard too much about that really affecting your health. I would imagine like a filler or a Botox maybe more, 
might have more of a an effect on your health but i i can't say i mean i don't know i can't say for certain with any of these things it's tempting you know it's tempting to do these things because they're just like little tweaks here and there but i you know i'd be a little cautious with it me personally i'm not too excited because i've already had something happened to my face. And when something as traumatic as that happens, I'm a little bit scared to mess with my face. <laughs> so I'm a little, I'm a little, uh, yeah, more cautious with that, but I wish I had a more definite answer. I mean, I think if you're like wanting to go the full natural route, then I would say none of that, but I also think that you can balance it out with with other things, you know, maybe it's, it won't have such an effect if you're eating really well, you know, and you're getting sleep and things like that, that, that might balance it out because also there's the environmental factors, like our air is polluted, the water, you know, yeah, the soil, like we live in a, we live in a world where there are toxic chemicals everywhere. So we are taking that in the, the microplastics and all the things, right. I mean, if you look into it, it's like, oh my God, it's wild. So there's only so much that you can do from avoiding that completely. And I, I don't really stress out about it too much because I just try to control what I can as much as possible. Like I take my miso soup and I take my uh, sea vegetables and you know all these other things that try to like balance it out, I suppose, because there, yeah, there, there's so much working against us in the world anyway, but. That doesn't really relate to cosmetic surgery, I suppose. I I, I don't know. I, I think it's it's you know it's everyone's choice and yeah. just be prepared for anything. I don't know. Like I'm I'm waiting to see a study on the long term effects of Botox. I don't know. I haven't seen anything yet because I don't know when it came out. I don't even know if it's been out like thirty years. So we'll see. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you so much, Zara, for for um, sharing so much of your story. I know that um, you weren't always so open about um, your lupus. And I really, I really appreciate you being open now and talking about it because I think it's a very important subject and you have a very unique experience. And I think it will give a lot of people a lot of hope and inspiration. That's what I hope, you know, I, I've gotten so much out of my practice of macrobiotics and I know that we all have our journeys and we all learn so much about ourselves through things that happen to us and what we experience. And I, I hope that people can learn from me, but also they're going to have a different experience than me, but they might, you know, start their own healing journey or look into things more, you know, kind of like open your eyes to certain things. And that's really all I want is for people to question things and to try new things and, and experience it for themselves. So I really love macrobiotics. I think it'll be something that's always with me and whoever is interested, I'm like, join in, you know, if, you, if it kind of sparks something in you, then, then follow that, that spark, you know, see where it leads you because it is, it is such an amazing practice and philosophy. And the more that you learn about it, the more you can add it to your life and feel better. Like, you know, we all just want to feel better and have more energy and why not, you know, why not do yeah. that? Yes. Thank you awesome. so much for having me here. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, do you, do you want to, um, 
share where people can connect with you, where they can find you, what you're working on right now? Sure. Well, I always work with people. I'm always available to work with people one-on-one. -on -one. I do mentorship remotely. Um, you can find me on my website, themacromuse.com. I also offer a one-month course. It's an intro course to macrobiotics. It's a great way to get started. And um, those are those are the two things that I offer. But you can also find me on TikTok, the Macromuse, and I'm on Instagram, muse.course, for little videos and information. But you can always reach out to me. And I'm always I'm always excited to talk to people about macrobiotics. Yes, everyone, check out Zara on TikTok, especially. She has great TikToks, and I can speak to working with her one-on-one -on -one with some of my issues and she's an amazing counselor and um i'm i'm really excited i'm really happy she has a course so definitely check it out if you're interested or if you want to hire me as your personal chef yeah <laughs> i travel yes check her out and she's an amazing chef people she's an amazing chef thank you yes well thank you so much zara Thank you, Michelle. Nice to, nice to talk to you again. Yes. Okay. Bye. Bye. Oh my gosh, Zara. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I thought I didn't record. Oh my <laughs> God, I'm so sorry. I thought I didn't. Hey, I wanted to give you a heads up. In 2022, I'm going to be starting a new series on my podcast called Peace Talks. And in this series, I am going to be addressing some difficult situations that you, the listeners, send in. So the whole point of this series is to help people see where they can make peace within difficult situations, difficult relationships, differences of opinion, differences between two people, how instead we can change the energy from being tense to being peaceful and being more loving and more receptive. So if you have a difficult situation in your life where you would like to make more peace between you and somebody else, you and a group of people, because you think differently, because you come from different backgrounds, send in your situations and your questions about how to make it more peaceful to the email address macromagicwithmichelle at gmail.com. And in an upcoming episode, I or my guests and I will be addressing your situation and help you to make more peace. This podcast is made possible in part by my patrons over on patreon.com slash the underscore freedom underscore fairy. You can sign up to be a patron yourself and donate to support my message. To get a personalized reading from me, visit my Etsy shop, Not Your Average Card. You can click the link in the description of this episode. You can follow me on TikTok and Instagram at 
the underscore freedom underscore fairy. You can also join my Facebook group, Sacred Space for Sensitive Women. If you like what I have to share, please rate five stars and subscribe to this podcast. Video versions of Macro Magic with Michelle podcast are available for you to view on YouTube on my YouTube channel, The Freedom Fairy. Think differently and live peacefully.